All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Friday, October 28th of 2022. Got a big 11-game NBA slate tipping off tonight. Looking forward to the NFL Week 8 starting over the weekend. So a lot of good DFS coming at you this weekend. Hope you guys are ready for it. Hope you're all getting in on the action. If you are new here, this is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, talk any and all DFS strategy-related questions. If you want to get your questions in ahead of time, there's a link in the description below to our Discord chat, Discord server and you can put your questions in the office hours channel. Those are where the questions come in. Those are where we get started. If you have any questions here today, right now, you can throw those in the YouTube chat, and we will get to those once we get through all of the Discord questions. That being said, not too many questions in the queue today. We've had a couple of long streams this week, a lot of great conversation so far this week, been one of my favorite weeks of doing the show overall. So I'm going to get the app pulled up here and we're going to get started with our first question here from e equals mcc and this question says the gpp builds are lightning fast now but the cash builds still go at a snail's pace why would that be seems like cash builds should be equally fast if not faster okay good question here so the first distinction that I want to make is that the way cash builds are built is different from the way GPP builds are built. Those are basically like two different algorithms and they're independent of each other. So, you know, the big thing to understand is that when you when you build for cash, the builder is trying to find the mathematical optimal in descending order and because it has to find the mathematical optimal it does tend to take more time to do that that being said i don't think that the speed is as much of a killer if you're not increasing your pool size typically you know if you're requesting 20 lineups we build 40 it's usually uh it's usually double whatever you are uh, requesting. So I think like the max cash lineups that you can build is should be 150. So usually like this will move up to 300. So if you're building one, it's 20. Building three, it's 20. You're building 20 lineups, the pool size goes to 40. And then if you're building 150, it goes up to 300. So I would like really incur, really like, suggest not to increase the pull size to more than what the defaults are you know if you're like increasing this to 1500 and adding a bunch of rules finding the mathematical optimal is going to be like really really restrictive on the builder which is why it can take a lot of time if you do that so you know first things first be really careful with the rules that you're putting into your cash lineups uh if you if you put like some of the wrong rules then that can make the builder's job a lot harder and you can actually get go start going down the wrong path and end up on lineups that could be less projected points than if you hadn't put any rules at all and then secondly 
I wouldn't increase the pool size to more than what it is set by default. Frankly, I just don't think you're going to need that many cash lineups. And then if you are uh, increasing it and using some of those new lineups that you're building, you're probably getting a little too far away from like a, a good projection number that can be seen in this uh, one to 300 range. So those are my thoughts there. Just understand that they're different and trying to accomplish different goals. So, you know, it could just, it could take a little bit longer, but you know, typically building less lineups overall kind of evens that balance out there. So good question. Going to move on to this second question here from slow-mo 3210. And Slomo asked, when running 0010 builds for NFL Showdown, what exactly is it? What exactly is going into the weight of sim precision? Curious as to why Saber score exposures are different than projection exposures when I'm not taking into consideration correlation or ownership. Okay, really good question. So, you know, when we're building for NFL Showdown, so I'm going to hover over to Showdown. We'll We'll talk about the um, London showdown coming up. So I think the most important thing to remember is that what is happening when you run a 0010 build is that the builder is going in and randomly sampling single game simulations and building your lineups with the optimal from the game simulations that it is pulling and it is doing that for as many times as you have lineups. So in this case, with a pool size of 500, it is doing that same process 500 times. And what you have to remember is that, you know, Travis Etienne, for example, every every percent, every time he has a score in the sim, that is reflected in his range of outcomes, which you can see here on the graph. So, you know, 1% of the time, He's scoring about 40 points. 1% of the time, he's scoring zero points. And this is a reflection of the fantasy points that he is getting in the Sims. So, you know, this 25.54 projection that you see is only the average of all the Sims in our database. You know, when we're going in and randomly sampling Sims, his his projection could be anywhere on this scale is basically the point. So what Saber score is still judging when correlation and ownership fade is turned off is the upside of a lineup is how many points different players got compared to their range of outcomes. So that's really what Saber score is looking at is mostly the upside outcome of the individual players as a whole. So think about it like that, you know, when you remove correlation and ownership fade from the equation, Sabre score will still judge the upside of your lineup based on the range of outcomes, based on the percentiles and what the projected points were for the random game sim that got pulled. So think of it like that, but really good question there. And going to hit the next question here from Joe Baby Blue and Joe is asking about adjusting exposure slash min uniques. So let's get going. Okay. Adjusting exposure slash min uniques. You have mentioned that if you are in a 500 lineup build, for example, and you begin adjusting exposures slash min uniques, 
and start getting to the bottom of your lineup pool slash lower saber score that that can be detrimental. But if we send exposures back to the projections page and rebuild some of those exact lineups from the previous build now may actually be higher saber score in this current build. It's kind of like funneling to manufacture a higher saber score in another build. You feel me? It wasn't a desirable lineup in one build, but could be a top lineup in another build. Thoughts? Do you suggest a cutoff of either Saber score or lineup rank whereby you then rebuild? Okay, really good question here. I'm kind of feeling the essence of the question. I think it's a good one. So what Joe is basically saying is like, hey, if we're you know building and we're getting toward the bottom of our lineup, So we say, you know, I'm going to send my exposures home and then I'm going to rebuild. And then, you know, those plays go more toward the top. Is that of my next build? Is that good or is that bad? So, so it's really, you know, you have to ask yourself, is the exposures that you're searching for, do you really want them? Cause that's, that's basically what, what you're doing. So, if I'm in a build, I ran this one right before we got started, so I'm just going to click into here. So, you know, it, it's a it's a really good question. So what, what we're talking about, I'm going to talk about exposures and min uniques differently. I think that, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't think, like you can't, you can't send min uniques home and then rebuild and then get your top 20 lineups all have, you know, three or more min uniques between each other. That's, you know, how the builder used to work. And that's the way we didn't like to do that. So I'd say, you know, for min unique specifically, it's always okay to like go deeper into your pool. It would just like, you know, I would, if depending on the number of lineups that you're building, I would try to stay somewhere between the top 25 to 50% of your pool when adjusting min uniques. So that's where we fall on min uniques. We think it's a lot better in step three at post build rather than pre build. So Got that one out of the way. Now going to talk about exposures. So, so, you know, before what we were talking about is, you know, if you adjust exposures and all the exposures that you're adjusting for are showing up, you know, near the bottom of your pool, you got to go like get a lot of lineups in the 400 to 500 range to get to the players that you think you want. So what Joe is saying, like in the past, we've said, you know, if, if that's what's happening, then the inputs that the builder had in the beginning need to be adjusted so the builder can understand that you value these players more. So to put them in lineups with higher Sabre scores. And that is like the question. So you, you have to ask yourself, you know, okay, I'm making all these adjustments to exposures and the players that I want they're showing up in lineups 400 through 500 in a 500 pool build. One, do I am I really convicted that these plays are good plays and I know I want them? If the answer to that question is yes, it is okay to send min exposures or max exposures back to the home screen and rebuild. And because all you're doing is you're telling the builder, like, no, you might value these plays this much but i value this set of plays much more than you do so put them 
higher in my line in my pool of lineups. And and that's okay. It's totally okay to do that. It's always better to tell the builder what you value more up front. So also if you have to go back to the home screen and increase the projection of the players that you want to value more, I think that's also okay. So there is like a give and take there, you know, Saberson left to its own degrees is saying that, you know, the lineups that those players fit into, I think are lower Saber score. And then you're making a conscious effort to say, Hey, you know, you might think that, but I really feel this way. So, you know, let's put them in higher Saber score lineups. And then Saber Sam is like, okay, you know, if you want that, you know, this is, these are now the new lineup set that I'm going to give you. So, you know, going back to the question, like, are you kind of hijacking the builder? Yes, you are funneling uh, the projections and the exposures to try and make them higher Saber score. But if you're, you just, you know, you know, you want those plays, you've done research and you believe that the builder is undervaluing certain plays. It's totally okay to put in, put that as like an input pre-build and rebuild and try and get higher Saber score lineups with the plays you know you want. Because at least now you're getting the plays you want and the lineups are higher Saber score as opposed to getting the plays you want but the other components of the lineup make it a lower Saber score lineup overall. So, you know, long story short, I would still adjust the inputs pre-build and rebuild and getting the plays you want as higher Saber score lineups is ultimately the a good thing. It's a good thing and it's what I would encourage you to do. So let me know if there's any follow-up there. I think it's a really good question. I would recommend doing it the way you're talking about as opposed to just taking the low saber score lineups with the players you want i think the way you're describing it is a much better approach overall okay got a really good question here from tim excited to talk about this one and uh mostly excited because i was looking at basketball monster before the stream started and looking at all of the injury news so really really good question right here so Tim said, hey, Andrew, think it's the first NBA slate of the season where late injury news will really affect the slate. Can you go over how to set exposures so you don't miss out on early game players, but keeping enough room for late swap injury news? Thanks, as always. Okay, great question. Today of all days is like an awesome day to talk about this. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pull up Basketball Monster just so everyone who hasn't had a chance to look yet can see what we are talking about so if you go over to basketball monster and i'm going to get this up on the screen here we're going to be able to see all of the pending injury news so you know right off the bat you know the at at slate kickoff or tip off only one questionable 30 minutes later only one questionable big news with joel Embiid, and then we got the uh 8 p.m Eastern start time with Anthony Davis questionable, you know, got Zach Levine questionable. And then you see like the late games, you just see a ton, a ton of questionable players. And, you know, these are, these are some important names. I mean, you got, you got Herbert Jones, you know, six man, you got Zion, you got CJ McCollum. So, you know, I could, I mean, the when, when slate locks to after all this news comes out, I think that the slate can, 
100% be flipped on its head more than once tonight. So, you know, really good question about, you know, how do we work this into our process and how do we build in late swap flexibility? And all of those are, are really good questions. So I'm going to get Saberson pulled back up here and, and we're going to start talking about different ways to do this. And I'm going to talk about the ways to do it kind of on a spectrum here. So we're going to start with like the most uh, crazy ways, I guess, to probably do this. So if you just sit down and you look at the injury report and you're like, you know what, I want to build in late swap flexibility and I just want to capitalize on as much of it as I possibly can. The first thing that I think you can do is you could X out these uh, 4 p.m. games uh, Pacific time that start right at lock. So, you know, just hit this little icon that will X out, basically remove all the players from these games from your player pool and you build your lineups, you know that no player is going to start before this 4.30 p.m. game and you're already building in late swap flexibility that way. No, you know, it's a it's a very blunt approach, but it is an approach that some people like to take. And I've talked to, you know, other people in the community and who play DFS about, you know, that is something they do to try and just maximize late swap flexibility and value opening up. So, you know, first off, that's one approach you can take. Not an approach I personally take, but an approach nonetheless. Okay, second option is you can build a rule and what the rule would be. So let's see, uh, just to check, you know, how many players are in an NBA lineup for DraftKings. So we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, so right off the bat, you know, you have eight spots in every single lineup. So what you can do to build in late swap flexibility, and this is an approach that I like more, is create a rule and let it be a stacking rule. Um, actually, let's make a group rule. So we're going to make a group rule. We're going to say use at least, and I'm going to say five. So I'm going to say, you know, I want five out of my eight players to in every lineup to not start at four. That only leaves three spots available to go into a lineup at four o'clock. You know, you could, you could increase this if you want. If you want to make it six, you're saying, you know, no, I don't want more than 70. I don't want more than 25% of my lineup to be locked at four o'clock. I think this is totally okay. And then what I would do is I would just come in here and it doesn't really matter who's in the lineup. All, all you have to do is just come in here and click one of the later games and then just add these players in. So you just come in here really quick. And just say, you know, I want at least six players from one of the later games. And it doesn't it doesn't matter who it is. All you're basically trying to do is say, you know, I'm just trying to build a lineup where I'll have as much late swap flexibility as possible. And I think 14 players is enough. If you come in here, click on one of the latest games and then just check in these players, we're going to hit save. And then let's build some lineups. So all we're really doing is just using those players as placeholders to make sure that our lineups are not getting filled up with players that play in the earlier games. So might take like a little longer to build, I think. Yeah, like, you know, a little longer as in, you know, 
10 seconds as opposed to five seconds. <laughs> but, you know, nevertheless, we're going to get the lineups that we asked for here. You're going to see crazy high exposures to these guys that we put in the group. I would say, you know, it's fine. But then, you know, we're going to see that we're going to have only two players basically available to lock in the early game. So this is one way to build in late swap flexibility. The only thing with this is that as news comes out, as the night goes on, you're going to have to remember to come in here and either one, lower this as more games start. So like, you know, let's say the next batch of two games comes and there's still pending news for the Lakers and there's still pending news for the Pelicans and all these other teams that we saw on Basketball Monster, you're going to have to come in here and say, okay, you know, at this point in the slate, I want to allow four players to start or I want to still keep, you know, five spots open in case news breaks. You know, worst case scenario is that all the players are ruled in and no value opens up. So I would exercise caution there or tell you guys to exercise caution because sometimes, you know, you could take a gamble on late swap flexibility and no value opens up and you're kind of stuck with some of these players from the later games. So that's why I think you have to be really careful like where your cutoff point is, you know, especially like on tonight's slate, you have half of the games start by this 4.30 p.m. window. You know, once this 5 o'clock window hits, you know, I, I would be pretty careful with how many players you still have pending pending the news. So, you know, it really just depends about kind of when news comes out, when value opens up, how many games are left on the slate. But Xing early games out, building rules that require a lot of players from the later games are ways to maintain your late swap eligibility. And, you know, you still have like three lineup spots that can be used for the studs from the early game. I mean, we saw like we had Wendell Carter from the Magic. We had like a, I saw at least one Charlotte player. So, you know, where those guys are good plays, they're still going to get into the few lineup spots that you have eligible, which is ultimately what you are trying to do is take the best place from the early game, save as much positional eligibility for the um, later games where the value can open up. And, and uh, you know, one thing that, that I like to do also that, that I want to talk about is, you know, if you're expecting value to really open up later in the slate, Sometimes some of these early studs can kind of go overlooked or sometimes that the studs that start early will become better plays as the night goes on. So if if more studs are getting ruled out later and more value is opening up later in the night, you know, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, they might be good plays at the beginning. They might have been you know, if you look back at the slate, once all the news is out, they might have been great plays. If you would have known that all these players were going to get ruled out and, you know, Trey Young was going to be, and DeJounte Murray were going to be like the highest projected point guards still available, you would have like had, you know, four or five X exposure to them compared to their ownership. So I think that, you know, if you have a have this like 
plan that, okay, you know, I think value is going to open up later in the slate. A, a way to capitalize on that further might be to take a shot and get extra exposure to some of these high salary studs that start earlier. People are more likely going to wait and kind of see what happens with the news. And you could just take some shots on some of these guys that start early and really capitalize on their points. And hopefully uh, they end up being great plays by the time the slate is said and done. So those are my thoughts there. Everybody, if you guys have any questions, just let me know. Happy to talk about it further, but you know, that these, these are the slates where the late swap becomes really important and having a good strategy ahead of time really helps you capitalize on all of the different ways the slate can go. All right. This is our last question in discord. I only see one question in the YouTube chat. So if you guys have any more questions you want me to get to today, get them in now, but we're going to hit this question from discord. And the question is from Gibbs. Gibbs said, Say I have 43 total entries. Three of them are uh, three max and the other 40 are 20 max. Should I build the three max separate from the 20 max or just build 43 total lineups and randomly assign them? Okay, good question. So I'll give you the best practice answer. The best practice answer is to build the 40 lineups and to build the three lineups separate. That's how I would do it if I had enough time. That is pretty in line with our DFS profit plan, building the 20 max and 150 max contests as diversifiers and building the single entry and three max contests as elevator style. You know, the sliders tend to change, tend to vary a lot, especially like if we're playing like a three max, you know, usually one to 10,000. You're looking at two zero four sliders here as opposed to like, a 20 max that is above 50k, you know, 336. So sliders kind of move a lot there. Um in our in our back testing to create the DFS profit plan, we determined that it was better to split those two things up. I'd say if you're in a crunch for time, especially with basketball, news breaking late, you know, sometimes you're you're put in a tough spot. I think it's totally okay to build it all together, especially like when you're late swapping too throughout the night. Sometimes you gotta just kind of build it all together. I know when Max Steinberg was on, he was saying that sometimes, you know, you get put in these tough spots and he'll just try and find a slider setting somewhere that meets in the middle of both the different types of builds that you were running. I think it's totally okay. I think it's more important to capitalize on the late swap rather than, you know, uh, scratch your head over what the perfect settings are, you know, capitalize on the late swap. It's always going to be better, but you know, if you're in a pinch for time, try and find a happy medium and, and build it all together. But if you have the time, I would separate the 20 maxes and the three maxes specifically. Those are my thoughts there. Okay. I got a question here from Demetrius in the YouTube chat. Demetrius said, where can I find the cores on Saber Sim? How do I get to them? Okay, good question, Demetrius. So we do not release cores as part of like our content. Uh, we have a partner, Run Pure Sports. They put cores out, but you know Saber Sim as ourselves and our own projections, we do not release cores. So that's the answer to your question there i if you're looking for a core you know what i would do is i would run some test builds and i would see what saber sim is is putting out there so 
You know, we don't we don't tell you who the cores are or who the best plays are, but that doesn't mean that you can't come up for a core yourself. So, you know, if if I were you, what I would do is I would run uh, a default build as like the first part of my research strategy. And I would make sure that I can see the ownership, the exposure and the pool exposure. Something you could do is, you know, kind of sort by pool exposure and see who the guys that are coming up the most in the pool and your lineups are and kind of try and balance those two things together. So right off the bat, two players that I'm seeing a lot that kind of meet both of those metrics are one, Kevon Harris showing up 75% in our 20 and 61% in the pool of 500. And then uh, followed, I would say probably by Shaden Sharp here at 70% in the number of lineups and the 44% in the pool. You know, there's a case for Jeremy Sokon. You know, he's our highest pool player, but you know, he's not, he's not making it into more than 50% of our lineups that we're requesting. So he's somebody that, you know, kind of on the fence. What I, what I would do is what we like to suggest is do your research for the slate. You know, if you want a cork, you know, use Saber Sim, use research builds, use test builds to kind of come up with that core for yourself. If you like get on a group of guys that you really want, what you can do is you can come in here, you can add a group rule, you can add a manual rule, check these guys into this box, and then say, you know, if it's two and you want both in every lineup, use at least two. If it's a group of players, you know, if you have like six players and you want to say use at least three out of the six, that'll give you exposure to kind of all of them. So I think there's a couple different ways to kind of find a core and build it into your process yourself using the group's rules. So that's that's kind of the way we like to approach it. We like to have the users do the research, come up with the cores themselves. We don't really like to just kind of give you our own opinions. I think that we really trust SaberSim and what SaberSim puts out. So I would encourage you to do some research, find some cores that you like and want to take into the slate yourself. All righty. That is our last question in the YouTube chat. Not seeing anything else come through. I know we've had a week packed with really long streams. So I think we're going to call it early. Have a quick announcement for everybody. Starting Monday, October 31st, this show is going to be moving to 3 p.m. Eastern. So right now we're at the 5 p.m. Eastern window. And we're going to be moving the show to 3 p.m. Eastern. We're going to get the show up early so you'll be able to have an idea what's coming. You know, if you go to our YouTube channel, it'll always show the upcoming streams and what time they are going to be at. Just, you know, a small adjustment to help us bring you guys more and better content at different windows. So stay tuned for other things to come but the change to 3 p.m. Eastern is going to be a good one for the team overall. I see a question here from Clint. Clint, we're going to get to it. I promise you that. But just wanted to let everybody know that the show time is moving starting Monday. So, okay, question here from Clint. Clint said, if you put your own projections in, how does that affect Saber Sim Sims? Okay, good question, Clint. So, you know, let's say you – 
So, so just really quickly, you know, whether you come in here and upload custom projections or you, you know, manually adjust projections, you know, even when you're manually adjusting one or two players, this is still now a custom projection. And we are handling this the same as if you were to come in here and bulk update projections. So just letting you know that small uh, nuance there. And then, so let's say you adjust Giannis from 57 to 61, and we'll just we'll make this a round number. So we let's say we adjust them by three points total. So every sim that we have for Giannis, if he scores 40 points, now he's going to score 43 since you increased him by three. If he scores 70, he's going to score 73. So we are just going to shift his distribution up or down depending on the adjustments that you make. The sims are still going to be used. We are still randomly sampling the sims. We are only adjusting his point output by the plus or minus that you apply. So that's how that part works. And just remember that, you know, this is only for this one player. Even though Jonas is negatively correlated to Julius Randle, it will have no effect on these other players that the player is correlated to. If you're looking for more widespread use of projection changes, I would highly suggest using the team totals. So what this is going to do is if we were to increase, you know, we just think that this Milwaukee Knicks game is just going to go over the point total and we're going to increase both teams by three. So what this is going to do is that it's going to start shaving off games that are lower scoring until the new mean totals are the values that you set here. So it's going to discount lower scoring games and start to uh, count more those high, those higher scoring games uh, just by default by shaving off the bottom end and shifting the mean up. And this will affect all the players on both teams. And this will take into account correlation better than just uh, adjusting one player. So just wanted to cover both of those things for you guys there. Clint said, thanks. Uh, Matt said, hit that like button. Yep. If you guys hit that like button and subscribe before we get out of here, really appreciate it. If you are not joined up with SaberSim, there is a link in the description below to a seven day, no strings attached free trial. Always suggest getting in before the weekend and testing it out over the NFL main slate. So that being said, everybody, I will be back on Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern at the new show time. Good luck in your contest. If you guys have any questions over the weekend, the team is always around in Discord. Get questions in the support channel, and we will make sure to get back to you guys as quick as we can. That being said, take care.